Hey, hey, welcome back to the 1A0 podcast. This is Nick, your awesome host. Uh, how are you doing, my other awesome co-host? Hi. <laughs> <laughs> this is Paul, the other awesome co-host. Um, so, Paul, uh, we are having a guest today to speak about tech. Are you excited? I'm very excited. Okay. So... <laughs> 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 why do you, Nick? Why do you tell us the theme of today's show today? For sure. So, you know, uh, as a young person, right? I I tinker with tech a lot, uh, and I know maybe that's not, not the case for everyone, uh, especially when it usually comes to nonprofit organizations, right? When you think of nonprofit organizations, you usually don't associate with like technology or modern, advanced, those kind of things. Uh, but I think uh, it's changing. But I think that's changing because especially when we're in a pandemic, we rely on tech a lot. You know, there's this Zoom video call and everything. So I think it will be very fun and educational as well for our listeners out there to have a, you know, another perspective of how we can utilize and take advantage of tech in our life what's your thoughts Paul? yeah, yeah. so I, i brought this up and i invited our guest today because you know i've i've learned a lot in tech uh, about technology in my new role um newish role from from the job that i've had the last couple of years compared to my first jobs uh, coming out of university so i just thought it'd be it's a good idea for especially today with young people just to understand the the technology sector and the culture and how much it influences uh, our society. Um, you know, you look at um, the recent stock market, you can see a lot of the uh, money coming into uh, the markets is technology companies. And, and there's a reason for that. Um, it's a lot of them are game changers in terms of the way we live, in terms of uh, our access, accessibility to, to data, to um, capabilities that I think, you know, are are so far different than, you know, 50 years ago and the leaps we were making then. So that's why I reached out to one of uh, my friends, my dear friends. I think a lot of people on the show happen, just happened to be <laughs> my dear friends, um, Felipe Gasparino. So Felipe is an alumni of our Rover crew. Uh, he's from Sao Paulo, Brazil, if I remember correctly. Uh, never had any scouting experience, even though scouting is quite big in Brazil and in certain areas. Uh, joined us about eight years ago, and he was a cub leader, volunteering with me uh, with kids age eight to ten years old. Uh, thank you, Felipe, for all those years that we were together, working in those uh, camps, and every week um, in downtown Vancouver, working with um, working with these kids. Uh, right now, he's a director of product at a local tech company, which I'll have him speak more to later. And I think he's been with them for over eight years now, so he has. Lots of experience in the technology sector here in Vancouver. Uh, and a personal note, he is a lover of French fries and ice cream. Um, <laughs> as we always joke, uh, it does, there's always room for, for both of those things. So without further ado, um, my or our guest, Nick, uh, Felipe. Welcome, Felipe. All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I mean, I'm super excited to be here. And, you know, I think talking about technology is something that is exciting to me as I'm super passionate about it. You know, the whole field I've known my entire life since, you know, I was 10 building computers in my room and exploring different software, trying to install different things and just really learn what you can do with, with technology now, totally different than back then. Um, but yeah, it's exciting to talk about tech, huge, um, you know, the amount of impact that technology will bring in the next years and has brought so far is, is incredible. So, yeah. So, so how, why don't you start with how, how'd you get to, to Vancouver uh, from Brazil, maybe how your life was before and um, kind of tells your journey to, to get to this point here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I, as I mentioned, so I started early in, in the tech field. I was always passionate about it and I decided to, In Brazil, we do have um, um, technical high school. So it's a bit different than what it would be. It's sort of a college in Canada. Um, so I did take a technical high school that was focused on computer science. So there we learned about you know, analysis, different programming languages. But 
you know, what's interesting about tech is there's so much about self thought. You just go through different, um, you know, tutorials and it's just so easy to just give it a try compared to, you know, if you compare it to the medical um, department, you know, it's not as easy. You just don't yeah. get to explore as much. Where technology, it's so easy. You can get started with anything. You have a computer, you, you these days you have an iPad, you can start coding, right? Um, so yeah, like for me, it was starting in um, by myself, learning a lot through my passion really. Um, and taking this technical high school really helped me to get a job in the field. So, you know, I started working at the age of 14. I actually was working as IT tech then. Uh, then I managed to find a job um, at the same company. I was always sneaking in and finding my way through the software factory and, you know, making some connections there. So eventually I, take some, I took some courses in the language that they use. So I managed to find a position there. And that's where I started to see more, um, you know, it was my first experience in development in, in the field. Um, yeah, but I mean, shortly after, you know, making connections with people, which is quite interesting, um, I was brought to a different company and those companies back in, this is back in Brazil, they were very, um, they were consultant companies. So it's just working for banks, which is quite a, a unique style of development, you know, working for a consultant software company. To me, what I find is you don't get to own much of the product and um, it is a lot of just making sure that you're interacting well with the clients. And I mean, that was sort of a, an interesting experience to me, but it wasn't as exciting when I think of tech. Yeah. So that I, goes to like, oh, Go ahead. No, no, I just think that, you know, because I'm in healthcare now, I'm doing product implementation. And, you know, those traditional industries, they are just struggling to keep up, right? So when right. you're a consultant and you're like, you want to be super innovative, they're like, no, we just want to use Microsoft Excel better, right? Like, <laughs> like it's different than what maybe as a software developer, you think as a, as, a, as a forefront of technology when you're consulting for a company that has, is a lot slower, so they can't move as quickly as maybe, you know, you want to. Uh, or, or the tech sector wants to. So I, I, I can definitely yeah. relate to working in that type of uh, environment. Yeah, and I mean, and that comes in sort of the transition to Canada because when I moved, so that was back 2012. Hmm. I, you know, I was in the transition, should I go to university um, or should I have an experience abroad? I decided to go abroad and actually, the plan initially was to study four months English and then work four months. Mm -hmm. It turned out into, you know, this whole story of moving to Canada and <laughs> eight, years later. Company. <laughs> yeah. eight years later. Yeah. But yeah, that was the initial plan. And I mean, such, you know, such a mind opening experience to move to a different place that you don't speak the language and culturally it's just so different. Right. Um, so that was a very mind-opening experience to me. You know, I think at the age of 19 that I was back um, in 2012, I'm so grateful that I went through that. And I think that helped shape who I am. I was able to really get sort of the best of the different cultures, you know, I think evaluate what do I like from culture back home in Brazil and then get from this new culture of Canada. Um, and yeah, I mean, that was interesting the way that I actually got the job because I um, I found my job on Craigslist. I was- oh, What, just Craigslist? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it turns out that it was at an age, it was at a point, you know, I think out of the three months, my English was still very broken and very difficult for me to understand people. But my uncle was pushing me to sort of get started, you know, build a resume, send it out and- I started doing, I found this startup that um, was building an intranet, which is a application for companies, like a platform yeah. to engage. Similar to Basecamp, what we use. Yeah, similar to Basecamp. Um, and then I decided to go for interview. You know, they missed, I remember they messaged me, yeah, we're, we're ready. It was near my school. I was like, I'm not, you know, I'm not 
um, wearing any proper clothes. I mean, I'm just wearing my regular school clothes. I'm not sure mm -hmm. if I should go, but you know, as a startup, it's just very, um, very casual, right? Mm -hmm. um, they were like, yeah, just come in. You know, the company was super small. There were seven employees back then. So I was interviewed by all the seven employees at the same time, um, which is, you know, for my first interview in English, that was pretty, yeah. <laughs> pretty intense. Yeah. I mean, one versus intense. seven, yeah. It's, yeah. Even if, yeah, even if was... you know English, even if you know English, it's, it's pretty intense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was at different times, but I think at some point, like maybe at some point it was everyone, but um, you know, the technical one, it was all the developers um, at the same time. So, you know, there was a whiteboard exercise and everything. That was a little bit stressful. Um, but, you know, I'm really glad I actually went through that challenge, then managed to find a position that, at the startup as a junior developer. Um, so, so you were able to yeah. pass, so you were able to pass that initial technical and just, you know, overall interview with just like what you had learned through your technical college, which isn't exactly a university, but it's a bit, it's not exactly high school and also just some work experience over the last six years. Like what, what, um, what really helped you with that technical interview? I'm interested because, you know, you're coming in as a 20 year old or 19 year old getting a job as like a junior developer without any f kind of formal, like, like what we would consider formal education mm -hmm. here, right? What, what was the uh, training that you got that best helped for that interview? I'm curious. You know, I think it was definitely helpful to have the experience. I think having the experience in the field really shows to companies that you have seen similar things before mm -hmm. and it shows that you know how to interact with the workspace which is sometimes different than school right mm -hmm. like you can be very sometimes not always but sometimes you can be very successful at school but you know when you are in the work field you might struggle depending on the dynamics of that environment um, so I think what was interesting to um, that interview was sharing my experiences of, you know, working on different projects. You know, I remember the CEO asking questions like, what, what did you like about that experience? And I was just being quite honest that, you know, the working on the projects and focus on what the results were. And I think I'm not being specific here because it's been so long, but I yeah, yeah. have that yeah. memory. Um, but I remember that sharing the specifics back then really helped to connect with the people in the interview. And, you know, they just know it's real compared to mm. just, you know, maybe an experience that you have on um, building projects with your schoolmates, right? Um, so, I mean, that's what I even, you know, today when I'm interviewing people or I'm talking to people, I find that having our own projects, actually, which is another thing, like back then I worked for all these different companies, but I did have my own side projects, mm -hmm. which is where I learned probably the most because I was curious about implementing those yeah, things. The coding part. And of you are doing on your own, when you're working with a big you know, consultant company, you are reusing a lot of what's already there. You are not always building by yourself. So the experience of working on your own side projects and having that passion and learning through, you know, building something from scratch is really, really, really useful. For our listeners, I like this part. You want to replay this part a lot? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think that that part of the, and you know what, the great thing about these, you know, just a side note, like I think Felipe, we've known each other for the same eight years. So I remember your broken English, which was actually pretty good. Um, the, the, the best moments for me was like when we ever had to explain like metaphors and like local slang, like those are always, I always remember those moments because uh, you were, you were always so inquisitive and, you know, we would laugh at each other. Okay. We wouldn't laugh at you, but you know, with our group, we would laugh, you know, it would be really funny. And um, I think that's why you, that's helped you be successful as well. You've just been super curious and not fearful of what people think. You just ask a question if you don't know. And uh, you, you apply those knowledge to, uh, to other things you do. Yeah. 
I mean, on that note, I find um, that getting involved with the crew was so helpful for mm -hmm. me to connect with locals, right? I mean, it was coming, um, I'm sort of jumping here a little bit, but that came out of what you mentioned. Because yeah. to me, you know, when I was working at Johnson already, it's a field, generally the tech field is quite, sometimes you're just connecting a lot with machines. Let's just be honest. Yeah. It's yeah. not in all environments that you are connecting with people. Yeah. So for me coming in in a different place, you know, that was not always the best environment to be connecting with people. So yeah, like crew, socially, technical, technical yeah. stuff was more, more, more critical, I guess at the time. Yeah. 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 The social, that's a great way of putting it. So um, yeah, the, the crew is a great way to, you know, getting involved in a, in a different um, environment and in a more social where, you know, I could learn different stories. I could learn different things outside that yeah. tech work so, and bring some of the things from the tech world to the crew. Yeah. So why don't we talk about that a little parallel? So you start your career here. Um, it became a full-time job, I guess, not a, not a four-time, four-month thing. So you continue to work, you continue to go to school a little bit. And then you also joined the crew. So maybe tell us a little bit about how you found out about the crew and what made you join and kind of what, like, yeah, like you said, like what was kind of the, I don't say benefits, but kind of like what you got out of it uh, in those mm -hmm. years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I found the crew through a meetup event. I yeah. actually met the other Nick, Nick person. Um, yeah. And yeah, it was actually it was with him and Kevin as well. It was just a design, you know, at the time I was trying to socialize. So I was going mm -hmm. out through meetup events. You know, when, when I found an opportunity with things that I was in a way um, connected to, I felt like, okay, this is a way that I can meet people. And yeah, I met them at that event. They mentioned about the crew. That was one of those dinners. And I was like, oh, great. Well, that sounds interesting. Um, and I, what, what really stuck to me in terms of the crew was the impact, you know, the mission of trying to help people, trying to make, leave a better place. And that really, really connected with me. Um, and the whole, you know, felt so welcoming the environment and it was just a perfect fit for me back then. So grateful that, you know, you guys welcome me from, you know, with the broken English and all the struggles. Um, you always had candy too, Nick, by the way. Felipe always had candy, so it made it easier. <laughs> oh, okay. right. Okay. That's, that's the, that's the real advice here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I think what looking back and that what that realization came only a few years after, I think, you know, the crew was so focused on project management, which is a skill that is super important. I mean, I've always been organized and focused on, you know, results and things um, to be done nicely. And I think the crew really showed many different tools to me that I wasn't necessarily exposed to before. You know, I remember actually, um, let's make it personal. I remember, Paul in one of our workshops actually writing down on the the whiteboard talking about project management you know one of the rules or one of the good advices are to look at the timeline backwards right um, so that's something that stuck with me and you know I'm sure there are many others that I just internalized by going through that exercise not only through the regular workshops which is a more sort of traditional formal teaching, teaching yeah. um but actually from the doing right from you know let's the pdps that was so great you know that sort of mentorship and talking about um personal development you know it's something i i it was so it really connected with me i i've read books about personal development since like at very early ages mm -hmm. my mom is a is a psychologist now and you know, that was something in our family that was always something that I took from her. And, you know, the PDPs were a great way of getting exposed to different ways of doing it, the one ones And yeah, so I mean, personal I think, development plans in case. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Acronyms tech, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 So I think there's a lot about, I guess, to summarize, there's well, friendship and all the connections, which are so memorable, you know, definitely highlight project management and mm. experiencing 
not only learning through different techniques and experiencing it. And I think the mentorship and like different ways of managing that. I think that's, that's the main highlights I, I would uh, think from the crew. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. I, I think, I think how, I think now the question that I have a lot of questions in my mind, sorry. <laughs> But right now, I guess the thing that I want to ask the most is that, so we kind of know about that, you know, the things that you took from the crew and everything, right? So right now, how do, how are you applying, like, are you applying any of those things into your current work right now? Actually, what are you doing right now, right? What are you doing now? What's your company, you know, what's your profession? Can you, you know, tell us more about it? Yeah, in terms of the progression on, you know, when I took that, opportunity as junior developer we really grew as a company after that and i've been transitioning into um, more advanced projects so i was leading our mobile application you know that was 2014 that was mobile when mobile was getting stronger so i led that project i got the opportunity to actually lead a few other developers you know after the first stages of the app we needed more people so it was my first experience actually leading others yeah. And since then, it was continuing on that transition of leading more developers. You know, right now I'm wearing many different hats, actually. Um, but it's sort of a mix of leading developers. Now I'm actually leading team leads on our dev team, uh, which is an interesting set of skills. You know, when you are actually leading other people, there's all the connection that you're making with them and making sure that you are bringing the impact and finding the best out of the company's needs with the personal needs of every employee and finding a good, you know, sort of balance between that. And I've been quite involved in sort of more the technical parts of things. So taking care of the architecture of our product, more recently doing a lot of product management, you know, making sure that we're building not only the right way with the right architecture, But also making sure that we're doing the right thing because, you know, there's no point in build something for the sake of building. We want to build something that is successful. So there is a lot of that of making sure, you know, that we are analyzing our, our data and um, we're heading in the right direction. So, I mean, in that, in that capacity at Jostle today, that's mainly what I'm doing, managing, managing teams, sort of transitioning from the technical to a more Um, administration and business side mm. of the company. Yeah, and in terms of what I use from the crew, as I mentioned, I think the project management is something I took from my life in general. Yeah. You know, I think that memory I took from Paul, it's something that is actually in my mind. And you know, when I'm working on yeah. projects, yeah, when I work on projects, it's just something that you don't even notice anymore. So yes, I think I do use in, in my day-to-day, -day, not only on projects that are related to Jostle, but also my side projects, you know, I, throughout the years, I've been also involved in other projects on the side. You know, I remember attending Startup Weekend in one of those years and seeing how, you know, it's sort of a different project management because everything is falling apart in those 48 hours and yeah. you need to try picking yeah. the best. So, you know, I think there is a lot of It's even hard to pinpoint what you're using because it just has been over the years. Mm, But okay, um, yeah, definitely related to project management. And how, how many people are at Jostle now? So you're employee eight then technically. So how many mm -hmm. people? Have... We are over 70 now. I don't know the exact numbers. Mm. We, we change a little bit here and there. But yeah, I mean, we, we really grew quite a lot and... Um, you know, the whole transition, it was, you know, it's been, it's been almost nine years now at the company and it just changes so much when you cross different numbers of employees, you know, in the early age, in the early times that we were working, it seemed like we were faster as you start to add more people, then it becomes, we need to make sure that everyone is sort of on the same page. And then our communication changes, the way that we do things, we need to start thinking more. We do really think as a big company, like we try to find processes and things that will scale. We don't just try to do, you know, as you mentioned, just throw that Excel. Like we try to, when we're working on things, 
you know, and, and that's a big learning on my end too over, over the years is when you are doing something for the company, it might seem cheap to take that approach, but if you're maintaining something, you're maintaining for many years and then that maintenance, you know, maybe not investing a little bit more now will cost so much more over the years, right? So, you know, that's sort of something we have as our um, mindset is to try thinking of the projects in a more long-term and, you know, it's sort of a balance. I think, you know, we also want to keep things agile, otherwise we don't move. So it's definitely finding that balance between, you know, putting something out there and making something either internally or to our product and customers, but also making sure, um, you know, that we're, we're not having to just change too often where you can't really make impact. Yeah, I mean, I remember when our group was, 20 people and then we became 100 people and then we became 150 people <laughs> and then we became 100 people and then we became 50 people so um yeah it's it's a totally it's it's different i wouldn't say it's better or worse because sometimes i think in a startup there are hard times like i work in a small company and you yeah. just you have so many hats and then you get a bigger and and you think you're gonna get less hats but then if you're a senior person you realize you have to create hats that didn't have to exist before right um yeah. so it's definitely been a been a challenge and it's like it's great to see you kind of have that progression and yeah. um yeah it's been really cool to to see kind of hear from you now versus like when you started because i it's weird because i i feel like i i heard who you were before in terms of in terms of your job right because it's been the same job but you know we've talked about it in, in, in time, different times through your life and career and it's, it's uh it's interesting to hear you talk about building stuff with purpose because i remember like when we were younger like you know you're all about building like just technology just build it out there you know like and you know, technology is number one and then now to hear you kind of say kind of think about what we're building and make sure it's the right thing it's it's, it's quite uh quite a difference for me to hear from you right should we talk about qr codes <laughs> <laughs> yeah sides side story me and felipe had a debate about qr codes for like an hour at a denny's wasn't it anyway, what about think so. are you thinking about you know QR card to pay for Denny's or something? No, well, back, I think back then we were working on a project for a flyer, mm -hmm. um, a crew flyer actually, yeah, yeah, a crew flyer. And I was thinking, you know, let's just put a QR code so, um, you know, if people want to go to the website, they don't need to go and type it; they can use it. And yeah, that was the whole discussion: should we use it or not? I don't, I don't think we used it at the end. I, but... I never got to use it. I, I think at the time, okay, here's, here, okay, I think at the time, at the time, I don't think social media was as big for sure, um, but I think websites were bigger maybe, and we had a very simple website, pcrowers.com. Um, the QR, my biggest thing with the QR codes back then was you needed an app to activate the, the mm, site. That's true. It was app exclusive. Today, it's just your camera, which is brilliant. I thought, that's brilliant. That's a game-changing, piv not pivot, yeah. game-changing feature ad for the industry because then anyone can access. The problem with it before was only, download the app, yeah. only the leading people like Felipe would have an, <laughs> a QR code <laughs> reader app, right? I had a QR code reader app, but I never used it because one of the, this is a, again, side topic, we'll cut this out if we need to. <laughs> one of my biggest issues was who like I don't need to scan the barcode of this product to to compare it on Amazon. I just know what the product is. So like the user story for the QR codes to read barcodes at the time didn't really um, make sense to me. It was a really it was a really poorly put together proposition. So for us to have a QR code and the people who would have it are super like leading tech people who want to scan, you know, UPC codes on their products. Like, how does that align with like youth development go here? Like the type of people we have, but that's, I don't feel like you any comments. How's, how's that development? Has that changed your look on QR codes these last couple of years? Yeah, I know you're talking about QR code. I think, yeah, that was a feature that it was too ahead of its time when we were discussing back then. Um, yeah, that was now a different opportunity to use it in. And that's everywhere. No, I honestly, mean, we that's see from the, yeah, we see from the different restaurants and yeah, it's really everywhere yeah. now. 
Mm, if only so, I had, you know, I saw, but I didn't quite connect everything back then, you know. <laughs> go ahead, Nick. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> but uh, anyway, moving forward, um, we, we heard about what you're doing, right? And you start out with, you know, just putting it out there, just building technology and everything. Now you're in more of a state of, you know, we have to build things with intention, with the right intention. We have to do things the right way. You know, stuff like that and I think that's a long journey and, and I think you have learned a lot right what would you say uh, for young people nowadays like myself for example right what are some technology trends that we should know and should be aware of like if we were to be more involved or be more aware in the technology field Oof, tough question you know I think probably wearables are going to be um, taking over more and more in the next couple of years. Mm, you know, I think our, I mean, in my opinion is in terms of interaction. So coding for young people, I think coding is so important. Coding on newer technologies, if you're interested, right, um, on coding. But I think that these new wearables are going to be a great side of the industry and it will build new ways for us to connect with technology because today it's very focused on our phones now more and more with you know apple watches and all the different smart watches and smart bands you know how long is it going to take for um, smart glasses to be actually usable i'm not talking google glass that was sort of a prototype <laughs> 10 years ago but actual products and ways that we can connect and i think from now that will be a trend that will continue to go up, I think. Yeah. The, I did not really expect the answer, but now that you <laughs> mentioned it, I, I think, I know, I think, I think it might be really accurate. So I, I saw, so as you mentioned, smartwatches, smart bands, right, that measure your heart rate, that measure your calories intake, outtake. Uh, now we would have like the, the ordering, right, to, to track your sleep cycle, right? If you're sleeping healthily, if you if you have deep sleep, light sleep, stuff like that, right? Yeah. Maybe who knows, right? We have. Well, I think I mean I guess to evolve a little bit more from what I mentioned, I think it's the smartification of things. Oh. Um, you know, are either you know what we're wearing, but we're seeing more with cars being smarter. Everything is sort of turning smarter from now on. And yeah. as we use, we can control from our voice assistants, we can control from our phones and whatever device we're using. I think we're going to have a lot more of that control. So, I mean, if you're interested in sort of stay relevant in that area, I think, you know, coding and being connected with technology in general will be, will be a, good, a good field. So uh, how, so you, you mentioned wearables and smartification, which I, I totally agree with. Like I have a bunch of smart lights as well. And, you know, I was just, I just actually had the hot water boiler on and I wish I could just tell Google to turn off the hot water boiler because it keeps it, it keeps it boiling. I'm just like, I'm over here making noise over there. I wish I could just tell it to, uh, to not be on. How, how do you think that idea is permeating into your current company's industry? in terms of like productivity and like, cause, cause, cause uh, Jocelyn's a intranet. So intranet is kind of like a work, like an uh, or enterprise level productivity tool, right? Communication tool. Mm-hmm. Is that seeing a lot of new development? Like I would just imagine I can't because I, I'm in a, in a public sector. It's a bit different, right? Like just like maybe your mm-hmm. iPhone telling you or your, your smartwatch telling you certain meetings or, or getting certain, collecting certain data. Like what's, what's going on in the enterprise level? in terms of innovation and technology that maybe is different than say consumer level. Right. That's more um, hard hitting, hard hitting director of product question. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, especially with, with coronavirus, right. And what's actually heading in remote working and the need for software, there is definitely a new demand. It was always heading that direction. Mm-hmm. I think, um, but the need of working from home really pushed that to be a much faster 
change. So some companies that didn't really think about using a platform or didn't use as much, now they have to. So, um, mm -hmm. I mean, there was a big boom in terms of need for that. Um, in terms of that smart section, I think, you know, and I think there was an article about Microsoft and how they were opening up their internal information about the users to the company. And I think that that's sort of around that theme of, you know, when you are in a company, you do have people that are running the company. So you have the leaders mm -hmm. and you have people that are on the logistics side. Um, there is a lot of request for those from those people that they want to know how the company is using, right? But that's a very tricky territory because it taps into privacy. And I don't think that anyone is really ready to talk about privacy in a way that do we know what's right and what's sort of from an ethic point of view, good for the company to know or not mm. good for the company to know. So mm -hmm. it's, I think, I think that the smart side are reports, you know, I think there are yep. reports that the company wants to know, you know, how does the software help my uh, company to be productive? How does this different tools, even from a business point of view, you know, there are so many tools on product management, right? Mm. Um, and they are sort of giving you reports that will help you become more successful in your, and help you shape the product. So I think that on the business side, there is a lot of those reports and sort of mm -hmm. reading reading the data and giving you information that is useful for you to act on. But it's a very tricky and very difficult business because I mean, if you're, if you're looking at the data from the wrong point of view, you might just be giving wrong reports. So it's tricky, but I think that's probably the direction that mm. yeah. the softwares in, in the business side will evolve. Yeah, I, I remember when I first got into the technology space, I guess, um, you know, they always say people process and then technology, like you have to get the people on side, you have to get the processes on side before the technology being on side will help you become optimized, right? If you forget about the people and you only worry about the process and technology, you'll be surprised how many people don't want to fill in certain reports, how many people will try to ignore the process um, because they can, right? Uh, and if you ignore the process, you just got a bunch of people with really great tech that isn't really falling through with uh, what the business um, requirements are. So it's interesting you say that. And I think it does correlate with a lot of things that are going on. I'll give you an example from our crew point of view, which we're doing. So all our meetings are now on Zoom because we're, we're doing uh, no contact scouting, no contact volunteering, really. Yeah, uh, pretty safe, pretty safe. And one of the things that we noticed, and one of the things we tried to do at the, at the beginning of this year was to estimate or evaluate, not necessarily evaluate, but it, that's how reports usually come out, right? They, they come out as an as a evaluation, even though it's only meant to be reporting the data, right? Depending on how you mm -hmm. position it, people might think, well, this is how I'm being evaluated. Well, no, it's just the mm -hmm. data, it's just the, the information that's, that's available. So right. we try to be more intentional in where our volunteer, our, our adult volunteers spend their time. And it was a lot easier now because all our meetings, conversations, including this podcast, are off of our Zoom account. So with Zoom, we can track all the meeting titles, all the participants, how long they've logged in, when did they log in, right? And then we can take that data and you can find out which volunteers or scouters, as you know, has spent the most time with the most rovers, right? And that's just insight we would never have had before, right? Like you don't know where your volunteer, like they call them, they text them, you know, you can't track that stuff, but definitely right. we're doing group zoom meetings we are now getting that data and now i'm tasked with like doing something with it or not doing something with it yeah, but it's a problem something with it but it, it's it's something that we didn't have before right and now because like yeah. you said now we're all working from home or it's virtual this data has all of a sudden become available and and then it's, you gotta be very careful with how you do it because we always say volunteers don't get paid but you know people are spending more hours and other people are spending less hours so mm -hmm. you can ask yourself is this where are we spending our time in where it needs to be? That's been our biggest question. And ultimately, if you report it the wrong way or position the wrong way, the people are the most affected by those conversations at the end of the day. So, 
that's that's what we've seen and, uh, yeah i mean that's a great great example of how yeah that data can be useful i mean then what you do with that data is also a mm -hmm. different story but i guess just like another example it, it's quite you know we use we all use maybe hundreds of of software and you know there are so many hooks that we don't even notice yeah. that are out there and what i mean by hooks is that people are you know hopefully in a more anonymous form they are tracking how that software is being used not for evil again hopefully um they are doing for deciding what you build next which yeah. feature was more successful you know when you build a, mm -hmm. when you put a product out there you definitely want to see you know out of all your 100 users which ones um, are using this versus that and um you know that's just another example in terms of quite relatable in terms of tech and in terms of those reports that will continue to grow yeah um okay let's uh, let's let's pivot or a little bit <laughs> pivot yeah so you know like as most of our target audience is is younger people maybe they've graduated maybe they've not um maybe. if they're interested in tech like nick is what do you think is the best way for for young people to get into the tech industry in Vancouver, maybe specifically, and how, like, and I'm talking about like education because I think you took a very unique education path, whereas there's, there's kind of this, this standard or set, you know, expectation for people to go through certain mm -hmm. levels of schooling or bachelor's degree. You know, we debated that too. Uh, I remember back in the day, like, <laughs> what have you seen as like in terms of the tech industry, the people you've interacted with, how have these, how is the best way for the young people to, to get involved and, you know, what have you seen as characteristics of the, the more successful developers or, or product managers? Um, yeah, I mean, the tech industry in general is quite open, right? So, you know, in terms of development and product development, there has been many schools that are boot camps that are mm -hmm. very enriching, not only from what they're teaching there, but also the connections that you're making with others and just the projects you're building. Like to me, I'm a big believer that you learn by doing those projects, right? A lot of those boot camps, they will have sort of a final project where you get started and you actually put into action what you've learned in the course. So I think to me, like that's quite an interesting way, but more specifically in development, you know, it's hard to compare someone taking a boot camp off, let's say three, three to six months. It depends on how intense those are compared to someone that spent, you know, four years in university, the skills are going to be different. So, or someone that took a boot camp, but were already doing work on their end. So, I mean, it's a very hard question to me to actually answer, but I'd say more than say, go one path, find your path. You know, you can go on a boot camp if that's, um, if you are quite hands-on and you'd like to get an idea what that's like. Um, you know, taking university is more a standard path. I think either path you take, I would really recommend to have your own side projects to do your own research, you know, school, either bootcamp or university won't get you out with all the skills you need. You really will learn by experiencing it. And I think, you know, in school, I'm seeing a lot bootcamp less school there's a lot of projects that are sort of pre-built so you get resumes with everyone has the same project right and then when you actually dive in as when i'm interviewing people the project is quite interesting but a lot of the skeleton of the project was already given to the person so you know sometimes they don't even understand how things were connected um, so to me is to stay curious and actually start things from scratch would be my advice, you know, regardless of the path you take, try applying what you learned in your passion. You know, if your passion is, you know, drinking, if your passion is playing a specific sport, you know, is there an opportunity to build something out of it or to learn something? Um, you know, it doesn't matter if it won't be used necessarily, but at least you are getting some action and, you are trying thing here, things here and there. And, you know, you can actually show those things to not only show those things, but you can show the experience of going through that journey yeah. um, in interviews, right? 
Yeah, for sure. I I think I think I can really relate to this. Like I'm really, I would say I'm an enthusiast. Think when it comes to tech, technology, and everything that I tinkering around with it. Um, my major is in like business and marketing, though. But like for myself, I do you know I do pick up side projects on my own, right? Most of them are from the crew, like managing the social media accounts, uh, writing blog, writing articles, doing this podcast, <laughs> <laughs> and trying to promote and trying to grow it. And I think it's it's actually really valuable in terms of. Um, I learned a bunch of theories, and you know, and, and of course, there's some execution uh, in the course programs in the university as well, right? But now that I get more chances to apply those knowledge and those things I learned from the marketing course, and the business course, right? I think mm-hmm. I think it helped me get a better better picture of uh, of where my skills are at and what I need moving forward, right? And It's fascinating that you mentioned about doing side projects. Is that what you look for when you are hiring someone, right? Because I think I heard that you know, you manage a team of people, and maybe uh, you maybe you're interviewing them as well, right? Is side project something that you look in the resume, the portfolio of you know someone who you are interviewing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think all those things you mentioned there, like. Are super valuable, right? Like you're yeah. putting yourself out there and you're being active. You're not. There is about being sort of passive about the skills that you're learning, or being active and learning about yourself as well. Not only about the skills. In terms of the question of side projects and interviews, definitely. I've interviewed many students for co-ops. I've interviewed many developers for Jostle, and I. I'm always trying to find how keen the person is on applying the skills that the person took in in different environments. That might be, you know, volunteering at the crew. That's definitely something that you are putting your skills into action, right? Um, the side projects is a way of it's a cheap way of doing that and a nice way of visualizing it to others. Um, so yeah. I, I look for side projects. Um, I look for things that are extra from the regular school projects and things that they are forced to be. Because I mean, to me, I I like to work with people that you know share that passion. They are having fun doing their work, and you know, I think to me, a way of validating that is if they are spending their own time with those projects, right? Because I mean, you can say, oh, I'm quite passionate about technology, but you don't, you never really think about projects or you never really expose yourself and you don't use your time towards it at all unless you are, you know, forced to by school or forced to by your employer because they are paying you, then how passionate are you really about technology? So to me, that's, that's, it's not the only thing, but it's definitely an indicator of, okay, this person is really keen. This person really enjoy what they're doing. Yeah. That, that's a, that's great. Uh, that's, I think that's a great, uh, that's a great way to explain that whole like situational behavioral, like answer in, re- in interviews, because you should use an example. And when, when uh, people are saying they like, or, you know, are, are skilled at certain things, they have to be able to tell you, you know, where, why, you know, like, give us a real story kind of like what you were saying when you were first got that job interview right you're telling people real stories of what happened to you and they could probably sense the passion and probably you see it now right you can sense the passion you can send the realism you can sense that even if they don't know what they're doing now that they will work hard to learn what they need to know to, to get the job done because um, with technology you know what maybe the task that maybe the skill that you need you don't even know yet right because yeah, next year totally. could have been yeah. a new coding language but if you've done coding languages a new one shouldn't be a problem. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's very well said. One of the skills that we need to evaluate in terms of a good, good developer is their skills in learning new skill, right? Not only about what they have. Of course, you know, the experience brings a lot with, mm. you know, over the years, they will be able to pinpoint a few things and maybe others didn't. But yeah, as you said, if you pick any developer, strong developer, in terms of five years, they might be working with totally different technologies from one to the other extreme, 
maybe even few transitions in those those years. Yeah. So so speaking of I guess I guess side projects, I mean that's now lead in for us. Um, I remember you mentioned to me last time we spoke at um, our friend's party that I guess is now not relevant <laughs> based on her current IG posts. Um, are you, you're, you're working on some side projects yourself. I mean, things, I mean, are you, are you still keeping that, uh, that idea true to yourself too, right? Uh, in terms of um, having a place to play, a place to be creative. Uh, so are there any projects that you're working on and what, can you tell us anything about it? Yeah, I mean, definitely with, you know, as more responsibilities at Jostle, that was more difficult to, you know, invest the, the time for side projects, but it's something I always been looking out for, you know, projects like when I think of side projects to me are things that are opportunities, frustrations that you experience throughout your day, things that maybe you are well positioned to. So I'm always thinking about possible ideas. And so I'm currently taking uh, a few months off work, actually. You know, I decided to, you know, come to Portugal. My mom lives in Portugal, and this is her office, actually. So um, I decided to come here for a bit of a break. And, you know, that's definitely something I've been connecting to, that sort of side project. Yeah, I mean, I'm... Just different apps. I can't really say much about it in mm. terms of specifics because the scope is quite wide at this stage. I'm still iterating and trying to find how I'm positioning, but I'm I'm working on a project related to questions and see how I can how we as a product can help people have conversations with others and themselves through this question. So help bring insights and just have a bit of a conversation that will lead to something that maybe they were not aware of. So the scope is quite open right now, but um, yeah, that's one of the side projects I'm working on more related to helping sort of mind support and sort of social around, around that mental health, psychology, mental health. Yeah. I guess it's good to have your mom around there to give you some, well, definitely. Tips, yeah. Right? Yeah. That's, that's something we've been working on. Um, it's not, you know, not running out of ideas to be honest. Yeah, for you, sure. know, we, we, you know, we've, we've been talking about mental health and, you know, for she changed career a couple years, three years ago. And there's so much that I'm getting exposed to in the mental health that are great opportunities. And we're thinking about, okay, what can we build? How can we help? people and it's just interesting how you know it really requires there's something in terms of side project to build something out there there's something about you know creating like a successful I mean it depends on what success is of course but if you're talking about building an app where you have a a higher exposure then definitely requires that deeper thinking and yeah, it's just a lot of work that you don't really estimate until you start building. It's not just start building. Um, you need to do all the proper assessment of how is the market, what are people doing, what's already here. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 a bit of a process. I think it's a bit of what you were saying more in the beginning of the podcast of, you know, me just having that eager to just let's build this mm-hmm. versus now I'm like, okay, well, is there a value here really? what's how are people using this would people use this you know if there is a competitor why are they not using right so there is all those analysis that are going through my head now even before and I, honestly i need to even maybe be careful about all those things that i'm adding because if i add all those layers you just don't build anything <laughs> so I, yeah. I feel like it's finding that balance it's so important of you know, yes, maybe this is not the most perfect project. And there are many things that we're going to find out as we go through this project rather than just, you know, wait until it's perfect before you build. So it's definitely a balance here. Yeah, I hope I'm not killing your enthusiasm with old age cynicism. Um, and just, and it's, you, all you, <laughs> it's all you, Paul. It's all you, Paul. That's why I'm here, right? Hey. Young energy here. Yeah. There you go. Uh, yeah. We need you, Nick. That's how we are balanced. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and you know that's that's kind of why I, I do like like agile um, because it, it's a balance, right? Agile, there is planning, but there's not so much planning, and there's it doesn't stop you at your tracks, right? You can start with something small. That's all it's really telling you to do, and as long as you keep it that way, um, and you're getting good feedback, then then sure. But I think yeah, building out you know a, a multi million dollar project without getting feedback, or even in your case, like mental health, right? Mental health is quite sensitive subject, and it can be a a, a very just like our mentoring, right? Like just like even interacting with people for, at that at that level of mental um, uh, health support, um, you know, you're you're playing with fire sometimes, and you, you have to do the right due diligence, even not for your own sake, but for the people who are affected, uh, who or who can be affected. And then we've seen a lot of that, uh, especially here in uh, in 2020, um, with mm-hmm. with everything that's been going on. So that's cool to hear. You're working on a, a more passionate, but also more uh, you know, like a sociable, like a, a social uh, impact type of uh, a project as well. By the way, your yeah, mom has yeah. really nice outfit. <laughs> Don't heard yeah. that. All right. Um, you know, so we've been through the, the whole journey, right? We learned about your past, your present, kind of future moving forward, um, the technology trends and everything. I guess it's finally time to ask the golden question of this podcast. What would be the the one advice that you would give to your younger self, you know, or someone like me who in late teens, early twenties? Yeah, I mean that's um you know, in terms of what it's really, you know, I find that sometimes it's it's hard to pinpoint what you would have changed because it's so much about our own journey, right? You know, would you have changed something in the you know if you knew something before would you actually have changed or you wouldn't have learned the way you would have to you know but i guess one advice might be a bit cliche would be to you know try to pay less attention to what society what you think that society wants you to do um you know that's definitely a journey that over the last years for me was recognizing that in different situations, I might pay attention too much to sort of external either approval or, you know, expectations from others. And I find that we have our own journey and in, it's, it's, it's hard sometimes to do our own path, but it's an important one for you to follow your beliefs. So, you know, that is getting involved, that is opening up, you know, being vulnerable, I think a lot of that is so important to get your mind early on and that shapes you to be a more fulfilled person. Wow. So far, we didn't get any, you know, re- repeated answer yet. Which <laughs> yeah. Is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> no, very mature answer yeah. from a very mature young man. Yeah. <laughs> old man, mature old man now. Old man. <laughs> All right. I mean, that's, that's it. That's pretty much it. Thanks, Philippe, for coming on um yeah i mean chat with us that was a fun one i mean this is you know it's almost like the app really just it's like your app could be like a podcast for yourself a podcast for one yeah (laughs) because i i okay so the three people i've spoken we've spoken to all alumni and most of them i've known for more than eight years about the same right like sophie and jeremy Mm -hmm. mustafa and each time there's been something at least one or two things that they've probably revealed on this show that i never even asked or never even thought about asking or maybe never had a chance to have that conversation so it's it's been good for us uh to have these talks in this format i think it's it's definitely it just it's definitely going to be a different like sense of each other right i mean mm-hmm. not so for me because I'm, I'm not i'm not the one being asked the questions but I definitely for <laughs> for i think um, for me getting to know you and Nick getting to know you, um, it's, uh, it's been good and, and with others as well. So yeah. as long as you know people, sometimes a different format, a different flavor builds a different connection. So, yeah. Yeah, no, it's a good initiative. I think it will help people, you know, hopefully new, new people coming in into the crew, existing ones, you know, as you said, sort of even connection with alumni and, you know, hopefully even a wider exposure. Yeah. Yeah. Also, a subtle reason why we do this is for Scarapo to talk to his friends. 
they all just happen to be on our guest list. So, <laughs> right. Thank you so much, Felipe. Um, thank you for taking your time to spend here with us. And now it's getting really late in you know, Portugal right now. And um, I hope you know you have a wonderful night. I hope the dog walking wouldn't disturb your sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, last but not least, I hope I get a chance to you know meet you in person and talk to you about all these things soon. Who knows? Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. Well, thanks, guys. Thanks, buddy. Uh, happy New Year too. If uh, we don't get yeah. you, happy New Year, twenty twenty one for a better year. <laughs> for sure. All right. Thanks, Felipe. I'll chat with you later, man. Thank you. Yeah. This podcast is a project created by her AT Pacific Coast Scout Group, where we created awesome leadership and management training program for 18 to 26 years old. If you want to learn more about us, check out our website and social media accounts. Link in description.